Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. This is the first week that candidates and activists are able to knock doors. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to speak to a few candidates from various parties, see how their campaigns are going, as well as talk a little bit about how this is the first mainly digital Senate election. And first up, we have Luke Fletcher, who is the Plaid Cymru candidate for Ogmore and for South Wales West. Hello, Luke. How are you? Hi, Matt. How are things? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. Nice, uh, nice to see you and thanks for coming along. How do you think this campaign compares to all the others you've been involved in then? Yeah, the, the, the many campaigns that uh, have stressed me out over the years. Yeah, um, it's very, very, very different because obviously, you know, by now we would have been at a point where we'd have been canvassing for about a year and a half or maybe even two years in some cases. Um, and it's sort of been like a mad, well, at least it feels for me anyway, I can't speak for the rest of uh, Plague Company candidates, but it's been a sort of a feeling of a mad rush now to try and get out as much stuff as possible before polling day. You know, we've been hitting the streets with leaflets and of course now we've had the canvassing restrictions lifted, um, which partly was a really nice thing to happen because it's a sort of return to normality in some ways, even though you still have to stand two metres away from wherever you're canvassing, you still have to have the masks on. It just some semblance of normality has sort of reinvigorated. Uh, I know it's reinvigorated me um, in the campaign, and I know it's, it's, it's helped others out as well. But yeah, I know a very different campaign. Who knows what that'll mean actually for the for the results on the day? So, how had you been campaigning up to now? You mentioned leaflets, but had you been using digital advertising or digital campaigning mm-hmm. as sort of the backbone of your campaign up to now? Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the most digital campaigning we've done. Uh, certainly in, in Plaid Cymru Ogmore. And, and it's, it's a weird feeling, uh, digital campaigning, because you po- obviously, you know, you post you post uh, whatever your message is at the time and you put X amount of money on it to advertise it. And then that's about it. This, it's not the same as regular campaigning, is it? Because you can't actually engage. I don't feel you can actually engage with people. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a, it is a very strange feeling. But yeah, I think that has been the, really the crux of the campaign so far, is trying to, trying to get the message out over social media. And of course, like I said, we're returning to traditional means now, which is uh, weirdly a breath of fresh air, but but a good thing as well. How much of that digital campaigning has been led by you and how much has been sort of designed by the party and handed down? It's, it's pretty 50-50. I mean, you know, obviously with national policies, uh, we get we get a lot of help in designing those graphics, um, which is which is much welcome. And actually, I do think, um, you know, the, the comms team are the unsung heroes really of, uh, of every campaign. I think the branding as well for the party um, in this election is amongst the best branding we've ever had. And of course, then, you know, when it comes to more local stuff, we try to come up with our own graphics. Some are successful, some are not. Um, but again, you know, luckily the party has given us a lot of guidance on, on how to do some of that. So this isn't your first election as a candidate in Ogmore. You stood in 2019 as well in the SNAP general election too. Do you think that's helped in terms of building your sort of local reputation as opposed to other people who've had to try and build a name brand and recognition for the first time in a pandemic how do you how do you compare those your experience with perhaps some maybe your other Plaid Cymru candidates for standing for the first time you know of course I, I, I was a uh, well I still am uh, a town councillor in Pencoid so you know that that's also helped in terms of the profile in my hometown but yeah I no doubt 2019 did help in terms of my my own my own profile as a candidate applied company candidate um, going into this election whether that is good or bad is another thing you know depends on what side of the, the Brexit debate you you were on of course 
but yeah, I, I, I can I can see as well. You know, I I know a couple of people who are standing in, in this election for the first time, and I know obviously it's been quite difficult for them to get their face out there and to to get anything out there really other than social media. And, I, and like I I talked about earlier, I, I always feel like there's the social media campaigning or the digital campaigning is always a bit harder to get your message across because you're you're one of many people trying to get your message across. And we know, for example, with Facebook, you put up a post and a lot of people scroll by because you know, it's, it's, you see so much of it. Um, so I can imagine it'd be quite difficult. And it hasn't been a, it hasn't been a cakewalk for me either, even though I have stood in an election before now. It was still very limited in the in the snap election last time because of the quick turnaround we had in campaigning. So there's areas of the constituency I wasn't able to get to as much as others. You know, I again, like I said, I was quite lucky in my own hometown of Pencourt, and that I was already a councillor. That your actions in say your own sort of hometown sometimes spill over to you know the the uh, towns next door, like in, in my in my case, you know, Slangharan, for example, and Hale Q. And again, you know, I was I was lucky as well by played rugby for, well, I played rugby for Ben Court, but I played rugby for Tondi as well. So there was a tiny bit of, well, I'd like to think there was a tiny bit of name recognition. Again, whether that was good or bad is another thing. It depends how people thought I played rugby. Even though it's been easier for me to, I feel, to get a bit more name recognition this time around because of the 2019 election, you know, it hasn't been a cakewalk at all, you know. How well do you think uh, you've been able to get your message out there? And how well do you think Clyde have been able to get their message out to people when they haven't been able to take it to the door? Well, it's difficult to tell, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, with social media, and especially with Facebook, and Twitter as well, you have the analytical side of it where you can see, you know, how many people your posts have reached and how many people have engaged with it. But you can't tell, really, how long they've been engaging with those posts. Um, you know, is this the first post they've come across? Or, you know, when they clicked on whatever link you put on there, how long did they spend on that page? I mean, I, I suppose, you know, the party centrally might be able to get that, those data through the back door the website. Uh, but for a local, uh, local party like ours, I mean, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think nationally the party has, I think, done pretty well considering that, um, considering we're in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, most people only want to hear what the Welsh government has got to say, which is, you know, is, is fair enough because obviously the Welsh government is the one deciding on a lot of the things at the moment. But again, you know, I, I have to give props to, to the comms team in Tigwinvar. You know, they, they've been pulling, uh, you know, all-round shifts trying to get stuff out, and I think it has reached a lot of people. So now we're, this is the first week back we're actually allowed to door knock. What are people talking to you about? What do they want to hear from you? Well, I'll be honest, and, uh, well, I hope it's the same experience a lot of candidates have had as well. People are just happy to see somebody, uh, and they're just happy to, to, to have a chat with somebody who's not living in their household, you know? For example, the first day I went out, I was a bit, just wasn't sure how people would react to it. You know, I mean, you know, we, we are still in a pandemic. But I was actually surprised with the first, very first door I knocked. Um, there's a lovely, lovely old lady over the moon to see me. And we had a very long conversation, not necessarily about politics as well. Um, but, uh, you know, more broadly speaking, I think a lot of people have been asking, um, well, asking, you know, what, what comes next? How do we recover from, from the pandemic? Uh, obviously, a lot of people are really looking forward to coming out of lockdown and going back to no, uh, to normal. So a lot, a lot of a lot of questions are based around that, and obviously, you know, applied. Uh, not not that I need not not that I need to do a pitch right now, but obviously, for applied, a lot of our policies are going to be focusing on uh, on a green recovery. 
not only are you standing in Ogmore, you are a candidate on the South Wales West Regional List. How hard has the pandemic made it for you to campaign across the region? Because in normal circumstances, you'd be, I imagine, lending out a hand all over the South Wales West as well, wouldn't you? Usually, yeah. And, um, you know, I've been trying to, to get out outside of Ogmore as much as possible. Obviously, a lot of a lot of the regional stuff has um, had to happen online, like every other campaign. Um, so, it has been quite difficult, I think, to really to really run a proper regional campaign. I think we've been quite successful in how we've been doing it so far, and I think we're going to be continue we're going to continue to be successful. But yeah, very like I said at the start, and like you alluded to at the start, it's, it's a very different campaign all round, isn't it? Yeah. I'm quite quite looking forward to when we'll be able to actually campaign properly again. We've got what three three weeks three weeks today that we're recording until the election. Uh, what do you envisage the rest of your campaign to be like? Do you think you will now focus primarily on door knocking, or do you think it will be more of a sort of hybrid approach between door knocking, uh, direct mails, and and social media? I, I think it's going to be um, a mixture of all of them. Um, you know, I for, well, for example, now we know postal votes are going to be landing um, next week on people's doorsteps. Um, and, you know, I think the number of people who've registered for postal votes is quite, well, is higher than it's usually been. So we know a lot of people are probably going to be voting when their postal votes arrive. So early voting is going to be a big thing. Of course, you know, I, I, I always say nothing beats um, speaking to people on the doorstep to convince them. Uh, that you are the right person, and so a lot of the, a lot of the uh, door knocking is going to be important. And between all that, then when you're travelling between different areas, you're checking your phone on to post something on social media, and to, and then to you know um, pay to get it advertised. So yeah, it's 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 going to be like, like in in many ways like uh, the campaigns. I know I've talked about how different this campaign is, but you know it's it's a hybrid approach, isn't it? You've got to do so many different things if you really want to get your message across and really convince people that you're the right person to, to vote for. Luke Fletcher, thank you very much. Uh, that was Luke Fletcher, who's the Plaid candidate for Ogmore and South Wales West. Next up, we're talking to Lena Farha, who is the Liberal Democrat candidate for Plaid South. Hello, Lena, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thanks. Good, great. Thanks so much for coming on. How would you say this campaign compares to any others that you've been involved in? It's been very different and I think there's been a lot of adjustment for a lot of people. So this is my first time campaigning as a candidate at any level. I was set to be a candidate for the 2019 election. I stood down because of United Remain, so I didn't run. But I have been involved in other campaigns and I think it's forced a lot of parties to think in a different way because you can't get to your voters the traditional door knocking and, and, and that sort of thing. Well, we didn't have that initially, we've got that now. So a lot of parties have had to adapt. And I think that whilst there have been some good things, it has been really difficult if you're not the incumbent. So how have you been campaigning up to now? You say that door knocking is finally back and we will talk to you a bit about that in a minute. But what have you been using to campaign up until this point? The best way that I've been finding to contact people, weirdly, is phone canvassing. Um, simply because over the lockdowns, people were a lot more open to talking um, on the phone and initially I wasn't because it was you know so far in advance I wasn't really asking them how they were voting I was asking them about the issues that mattered to them and you know I was phone banking on um, two nights a week and then one day so one morning and the weekend 
Um, and people tended to be quite chatty at those times. If you catch them at the right time, they could tell you anything and everything. And it was so far from the election when you did get to that question of who you're thinking of voting for, um, you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily have a, any idea. And you could kind of go, oh, no, don't worry about it. But at least it sort of got my name out there a little bit. And it was nice to chat to people that way. And then the more that progressed, I then introduced myself as the candidate for Cloyd South and, you know, asked if anyone had any questions type thing. So that was quite nice. And in terms of other ways of campaigning, it's been mainly social media also is the other factor. Um, so I've stayed active on Facebook, on Twitter, um, a little bit on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok. Um, so I've toyed around with different media um, but usually Facebook and Twitter is where it sort of tends to be and sort of looking into community groups and that sort of thing. So it's been quite interesting. I was going to say you are one of the few people who follow Heroist's account on TikTok. Um, <laughs> how good do you think apps like that are at connecting with, with younger voters? Um, and how well do you think that political parties in general have utilised social media through this election? Facebook and Twitter is still where it tends to be. And I think it's where parties, especially in Wales, tend to focus. And a lot of that is down to traditionally um, the age that you had to be to be on, on those apps. And the fact that, you know, you'd usually find adults on those apps and you wouldn't really find them on places like TikTok or Instagram, really. That seemed to be more of a young person's place. You know, now 16 and 17 year olds will be voting this election. So I think some parties have kind of missed a step on that one. Um, in terms of my activity on Instagram and, and TikTok, it's been mainly sharing things as well as um, making a little bit of content. And usually people respond to like sort of broader issues that you talk about. And it's more about talking about an issue that might be in the news or an issue that, that you might think is interesting in a funny way or in a serious way. That's what people respond to a lot more rather than I'm from this party. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, it's quite nice to have that broad spectrum of platforms. Um, what I have found really interesting is that more than any other election, there's been a lot of ads. Um, I'm sure other people have noticed this, you know, especially on Facebook. Um, so um, I've been finding it quite funny how some parties can't target their ads and I'm getting stuff from Scotland, from London, um, you know, and I've got friends in Scotland getting stuff from, you know, the Tories in Carmarthenshire and they're like, wow, this is a great part of the world, uh, but it's not where I'm voting. So I don't really know any of these issues. That's fine. So I think that it has been a learning curve, but I hope to see some of those things that we've used sort of staying through into future elections, because I think that it's a lot of parties have turned a blind eye to it before. And I think it does form a part of our campaigning, but it's hard to make it the central part of your campaigning. I was going to ask how much of what you produce is, is created by you and how much gets given to you by central party. Because it, to me, it, from my experience, younger candidates tend to produce more of their own content, whereas those who <laughs> aren't traditionally as comfortable on social media tend to rely on the stuff that's, that's given to them. Do you think that's true to your experience as well? Yeah, to an extent. I think that... Um especially older candidates don't always have the curiosity to go and make their own content. We have had some really great examples. So I can think of um, one of my co-candidates in Cardiff, I think Cardiff South, yeah, Cardiff South, he's standing. He's been coming out with these little videos and he's on TikTok and he's uh, sort of, he's a middle-aged man and people have been finding it really funny because they don't expect him to be there. 
and they don't expect him to get creative in the way that he's talking to people but he's having a great time and it really does boost our morale a bit I do get you know a decent amount given to me by by the central party um sort of our Cardiff party basically well staff is based in Cardiff um and that's usually the broader topics um so on the bigger policy issues like housing like the environment that sort of thing where it is more standardized then it's material that's given to us but if there's an issue in my neck of the woods where I'm going to be the only one to be talking about it and I'm lucky to be in a party where we're given quite a bit of creative freedom in terms of what we put out you know I've got friends in other parties where their central party will tell them what they can and can't say on social media what they can and can't like or retweet or share or anything like that whereas I've never really run into that issue where I've had to be sort of muted so I can kind of be true to myself and it's nice because that way people get to know you especially now when people can't meet you on the doorstep. So talking about getting to know you building that sort of name recognition and brand identity how hard have you found that when you haven't been able to go out and meet people? It has been quite hard simply because people respond better to seeing a face and you can't really do that, you know, if you're just on the phone because you can't see the person you're talking to. Um, so I have tried to, you know, get leaflets out through through the Royal Mail, that sort of thing. So people can put a face to a name when I say, oh, I'm a Liberal Democrat candidate for Cloyd South. But it's that two-piece side of the jigsaw puzzle where you've got the person's face, the person's voice, and sort of everything associated with them, and you make a judgment on that person. And Wales has often been home to personality politics rather than party politics. Um, and I like to think of personality politics as more where I thrive. So it has been a bit of a disadvantage in a way that people don't really know me, and I'm trying to get people to know me, and I'm, and I'm getting there, but it's it's been a long process. So there's been more groundwork that's had to have been done this election to actually achieve that. How does it feel now to be back on the door? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's great. And it's not even just being on the door. It's just walking down the street and being able to chat to people. Because even when we had the leafleting restriction, we had to be really careful about having any chats. You know, if we saw someone outside of their house, we weren't allowed to be chatting with them. So you just sort of had to give them a leaflet and run type thing. But it's nice now to engage with people in a sort of in a polite way and chat to them about how things have been going. And I think, you know, people have been more chatty because of the lockdowns. And because, you know, kids going back to school, people are starting to go back to work and the rest of it. So that's been quite healthy to have. But you also feel a lot of people's pain when you're chatting to them, when you talk to small businesses that, have, you know, don't know what's coming one day to the next. When you talk to people who've, who've lost someone, it is a very different world now. And you have to be aware of that. So it's got it's good. It's good side and it's bad side. But on the whole, I mean, I've been really enjoying it. And um, it's been nice to see people again. Have you experienced any sort of trepidation or wariness from people? And, you know, uh, I think we've all uh, started to reassess, like, what our own personal comfort levels with distance between people are now. Have you, have you started to feel that some people aren't almost used to the experience of being door knocked and having someone come to their door and they've sort of almost pushed back as a consequence of that? Yeah, I've had that sort of both ways. So, um, 
within my team, um, we've got a lot of um, older activists and it is something that plays on my mind quite a bit. You know, am I putting them at risk by asking them to go knock on a door, um, you know, on, on my behalf effectively? Um, I'm lucky that, that most of them have had the vaccine, which is great. Um, and everyone who's been offered it has taken it. But you still feel that responsibility as a candidate that you would never have had to think about before of, of people, you know, knocking on a door, holding, you know, holding a letterbox or something like that. And of course, you know, we take precautions, we sanitize our hands, you know, we wear masks when we deliver, some people are wearing face shields, the rest of it. But you can never have that 100% certainty and that sort of carefree attitude that we had before. And then obviously there are people when you open the door who do get a little bit worried or a bit offended, but we, you know, we try and take, you know, a few steps back. When we knock on a door now, we consciously take a step back or when we're talking to someone we make sure that we are at a safe distance just to make sure that that person feels safe and it's not something that we ask them to do it's something that people consciously do now um which I think is quite different um and it's been really funny watching you know teams taking pictures and people getting inventive on how they socially distance to not get in trouble when the majority of teams are socially distancing uh because we've been so used to it now and it's, it's second nature what are people asking uh you about on the door is it is it mostly post-covid life and government response to covid or are, are other big topics shining through um it's a mixture of both i think that covid does really shine through and i'm lucky i mean personally that my party's picked this but we're campaigning on a platform of recovery so a lot of people have that in their mind anyway of they might be the owner of a small business they might have kids going back to school the rest of it so recovery is on people's minds so it's nice to be able to to talk to people about that and what you know we can offer and, and that sort of thing but i think that you know we also get a lot around um uncertainties of things that might have happened in the last zenith term or even the last westminster term you know a lot of people don't realize necessarily what's devolved so things like parents asking us about the new curriculum or, you know, people asking when um, the rainbow hospitals are going to be disbanded because, you know, their kids used to skate, you know, in D-side, for example. It, it's all sorts of questions. It's, it, you could be hit with absolutely anything. But yeah, it's, it's a mixture of both. I think it still falls more towards the sort of COVID recovery and getting back to normal and that sort of how are we going to do that? Because people know it's going to happen, but they don't know how we're going to get there. Um, are there any policies you think that are really hitting home with voters or, or are there any actually on the, on the converse side of that that people haven't heard of that you really think they should have or should be reacting well to? Um, I think a policy that's really hitting well with voters, um, especially... Uh, our policies around business rates on high streets, I think that's hit really well with people who have small businesses. Re and I think it also hits with customers because people have watched our high streets closed and see all those for sale signs, for let signs, and the fact that our high streets are not where they used to be. And, the, you know, we believe we've got to change the way that we're, we're taxing, um, you know, taxing and, and allowing our high streets to recover. I think that sort of parallel to that, um, the want to lobby Westminster to um, rejoin the single market. I think that's also hit with a lot of business owners who have been going through the motions when it comes to Brexit paperwork. I think people have realistically seen that that is a problem. Um, and I think that our housing policy has gone down quite well. Um, I'm not a massive housing person myself, but I'm slowly getting more interested in it. 
Um, and I think it was because we've been running it on the sort of platform of this was one of the things that we asked the Welsh Labour government to do when um, Kirsty Williams joined the government. So we've got a track record of pushing for housing. Let us do it again effectively. And that's gone down quite well. Um, I think with younger people, people are really hitting home. Well, policies are hitting home are policies on mental health and taking a trauma based approach because people, you know, young people especially really understand the issues around mental health. Um, and climate change, I think that's really what's on their minds um, and policies around that and putting that sort of green recovery spin on things. Um, I think one policy that I would like to have a bit more sort of headline and headway is that um, we've got a lot of great policies on, on a rights-based recovery. So looking at extending um, the jurisdiction for the gender uh, gender clinics in, well, gender clinic in Wales um, and ensuring that that's accessible to um, people who are also under 18, um, as well as um, looking at how we can really get rid of institutional racism and, you know, implementing things like the LAMI review and, and that sort of thing. There's been a lot of talk around discrimination in Wales, um, and those haven't yet hit the headlines really as much as I would like them to. Well, thank you very much, Lena. It's been lovely to talk to you and uh, good luck for the rest of your campaign. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks again to Lena for talking to us there. Uh, next up, we have Sarah Murphy, who is the Labour candidate for Bridge End. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Matt. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much for having on. me. I'm very excited to do this. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so you have had quite a big visit today. You've had yes, UK Labour leader Keir Starmer come visit Bridge End. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. It was incredible. It was such, um, you kind of, it's not until after they go, you know, when you kind of have these, um, these visits, Mark is the same. And you, I know it sounds really naff, but there's definitely an energy that like dissipates after they've gone. Um, and that's what it was like today. There was just such a wonderful energy in Bridgend Town. It was a beautiful sunny day. And we had chats with a lot of local businesses, family run businesses, um, who are just, you know, buzzing really to be back open and um, we're really feeling like we're coming through the other side now. You mentioned uh, you mentioned having Mark come down a few times in Regent. How has he gone down? Because oh whilst the polling says he's quite a popular guy, you get the impression that he can be quite polarising at times. Well, so the first time Mark came to Porth Call, I think it was last week now, and, you know, Mark just gets out of the car and it's Mark and he's in his red jumper and everything. And he's walking towards you down, walking towards me down the street. And then I start to realise there are people going past in the car and filming him. And I was like, I said to him, I was like, this is weird. I was like, people are filming you from, was they going past? And he was like, I know, he said, it's, you know, I'm on the telly every day. So, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of how things are now. Um, and it's wonderful. People's faces light up. Mark's face lights up. Um, you know, we had young people like 16 and 17 coming up to us and saying, can I have a selfie with you and saying, like, I'm going to be voting for you. It's my first time voting. And I'm not just saying that. This was truly what the reception was like. The Facebook um, post call groups were you know, alight with all of these, everyone posting pictures and everything for, for days afterwards. So no, it was wonderful. It's, it's, so, it's so lovely to have that reception. Talking about new experiences, this campaign has been a new experience, a new type of experience for everyone involved in politics. How does it compare to other elections which you've been involved in? Oh, gosh. I mean, the thing, the thing to me, so I got selected in October um, 2019 
which I know everyone says this, but it really does feel like another world now. And then obviously we went into the general election in the 2019. We were absolutely, I mean, I, can't, I don't think, you know, it doesn't even cover it to say that we were gutted when we lost and we lost Madeline. And then we actually went into some kind of like local elections that we didn't win after that. So we were really kind of like down in the dumps, I have to say. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is like, I've never had an opportunity to go out and actually meet people on the doorstep and knock the door and say, I'm Sarah Murphy, you're Welsh Labour candidate. So I've only been able to do that in the last couple of days. Up until that, it was social media and it was calling people. And I can't even tell you like the difference in being able to knock the door and actually have a proper conversation with people about really important policies. You just don't get that until you can, until you can do that. So... Yeah, it's um, it's feeling now more like a campaign that we usually would have, apart from the reception is also really good and everyone's really positive. So you, you talk about this being a mainly social media campaign up to now. How easy did you find it to adapt to that style of campaigning? Because it's not something that every candidate is comfortable with, is it? Well, I don't think so. I have to say, though, um, I mean, what I did during the campaign was that, well, it wasn't campaigning, though. It was purely just being in Regend and in the community. And I set up a Facebook group, Regend Coronavirus Support Group, at the beginning, around about March. And it was in that time period where I think it was kind of like a Friday where there was talk of possibly having a lockdown from like the Monday. So everybody over the weekend was panicking and posting on groups, you know, trying to find like baby milk and nappies and these kinds of things. And I was like, well, I'm just going to set up a group where we can all talk about these things in one place and kind of only share things that are, you know, to make sure there's no misinformation. But the beauty of it, and I think the success of it, has been that we kept it completely non-political. And honestly, it was just, it's kept it nicer, and it's kept it so that we're all on the same page. But I also just think there hasn't been the appetite for it. There just hasn't been. So, yeah, it's kind of, I think I've just done what everybody has done in that I've adapted to living my life much more online, connecting with people much more online. But actually, in terms of the politics, like, I just don't think anyone was really feeling it. Nobody really wanted any of that. We just wanted to all kind of like pull together and it didn't matter about those things. So honestly, the campaign for me and social media campaign has only really kind of like kicked off maybe over the last month or so. You talk about uh, people not having an appetite for political campaigning. Mm. Do you feel that turning now? Do you feel that flipping over and people feeling like they're getting into that election spirit and they actually want to talk about the issues with you? 100%. So, like, yesterday I was in Coiti, I was in Park Darwin, and Park Darwin's quite interesting in Bridgend because it's a huge, new, relatively new estate. And I would say that you've got a lot of people who are living there who are our age, you know, like 40 and under, and have got um, young families and, you know, uh, couples and things. And the conversations that I was having on the doorstep yesterday really um, ranged from um, a lot of in-depth discussion about um, our environmental policies. And people really clued up, you know, having read like our manifesto, other parties' manifestos, wanting to really talk about kind of like the future of what we're going to be doing with energy and electric cars and on all those things. I spoke to a nurse who really wanted to get into the detail of 
you know, it's not just a blanket, like we're going to put more investment into the NHS. She was like, I really want to know where that's going, what that's about. Had a lovely conversation with somebody all about the Welsh language and how much it means to her and how much she wants to make sure that we have more Welsh schools in Bridgend. So, yeah, it's, you know, there's um, it's, it's, there's none of this superficial kind of stuff. They, people really want to really want to discuss policy and are really clued up as well. It's wonderful. It's it feels actually, I was saying to people, it feels healthy. This feels like what democracy should be like. So, yeah, I think as we're coming out of lockdown, I think people are also kind of now looking to the future. And and I can I said this to Kia today actually. You know. Um, People don't vote for you because they're grateful, you know, like people vote for you because they want a vision and they want to know what you're going to do next. So there's two things here that I talk to people a lot. It's about the vaccine program. We are now third in the world with our vaccine rollout. We're going to have every adult is going to have that, you know, by July, which is incredible. So I think that we want that continuity so that we can ensure that happens with Mark and with Vaughan. Um, but also people want to know what we're going to do next and what the future is going to look like. And I have to say, like, the young person's guarantee, you know, the guarantee of those jobs, of the apprenticeships, of the education is huge because I feel very fortunate that I grew up with a UK Labour government, you know, most of my most of those years. But I, you still remember the stories you were told about Margaret Thatcher and those lost years, that whole lost generation, huge unemployment, and so to have a guarantee that we're not going to let that happen to our young people is everything, is everything. So, and the money to go with it as well. So they're the things that we're talking about. We've talked a little about the future. Let's talk a bit about the past. So mm. the person you seek to replace, Carwin Jones, has been yeah. the member of the Senate, or the, the Assembly member, as it was, since 1999. Yes. How would it been? following in the footsteps of someone like Carwin Jones? Is his legacy something that you encounter regularly on the doorstep? Yeah, because I mean, as Carwin always reminds me, he's like, technically, I will be the only AM the Bridgend has ever had. Um, so that's true. Um, and yeah, I have to say, like, there's a lot of love and respect for Carwin. I mean, Carwin's a, you know, a Bridgend boy, you know, there's so many people who went to school with him, they know his parents, you know, they're very proud of him. No, it's, it's lovely. And I actually got to go out door knocking with him in Pyle on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. And, um, you know, people's faces light up. And, and actually, you have a lot of people saying like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sad you're standing down, though. And obviously, I'm standing there and Carrie's going, I know he said that. Yes, but he said, but Sarah's here. So, um, you know, kind of passing that baton, really. It's just really wonderful. So you, you said about the loss in, in 2019. Mm. How has it been trying to convert ex-Labour voters that may have voted Conservative in 2019 back into the Labour fold? I honestly believe, and I'm, and I'm basing this, I know there's the data and the stats and the polls and all that kind of stuff. I, I can only base it on what people told me on the doorstep. So, for example, on polling day, wet, miserable polling day in December of 2019, we went round uh, Pendray, which is um, just by the Princess of Wales Hospital, and you were knocking doors <clears throat> that had, you know, formerly been um, Labour and should have still been Labour. And um, I remember vividly one woman answering the door and saying to me, um, she was like, I've got to vote Brexit party this time. 
And I said, I don't say this normally, I said, because everybody, you know, you vote for who you want to vote for. But I said, but it's polling day, so I feel I must say, you do realise if you vote for the Brexit party today, there is a chance that we may have a Conservative MP as a result, though. And she was like, I know, love, she said, but I've got to vote with my principles. I've got to have my say this time, but I'll be back to you next time, I promise. So, you know, literally people were telling me on the doorstep, they were lending that vote. They wanted to make a point. Brexit dominated our election here in Bridgend. It really did. It was so polarising. So I'm hoping that there are a lot of voters out there who lent their vote and they're going to come back to us. Um, and I also think as well, a lot of people who voted Conservative are really now comparing Mark with Boris Johnson. And the people of Bridgend are not going to forget easily, and people of Bridgend and Post Call, all of us, are not going to forget easily that Boris Johnson missed the first five coronavirus co uh, COBRA meetings. So compare that then to Mark Drakeford, who has been there almost every single day, standing there and explaining and being honest about the decisions that he's made that haven't always been popular decisions at the time and you know when it's happened I've kind of been there going like oh that's not going down very well you know you're holding on but he's been right he's been proven right and somebody actually said to me on the phone the other day they were like he's a steady Eddie he's a steady Eddie Mark you know people but it goes to show people have really appreciated that honesty and that consistency and then you compare that to the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who will just tell you what you want, whatever you want to hear. And if he thinks it's not going to be popular, either won't do it or will change his mind immediately. It's a stark comparison. I think people in Regina see it now. Are there any policies that you think are not getting out there that you think are really good but have not yet managed to permeate into the uh, public consciousness? You know, it is it is quite telling. I'm hoping that we're going to be pushing more our environmental policies. It's it's huge, you know, to so many people. And the fact that we're saying that that's going to be threaded through our jobs and our housing and our transport. And I think that will come later in the campaign. Um, I think you I think at the moment, though, the big message has just been around the coronavirus pandemic and how and how we've managed that and our high streets and getting our shops back reopen. Um, but like I said to you, like the the one that I'm constantly pushing, the one that means so much to me is the is the young person's guarantee. So that's the one that I'm, you know, it's on at the end of the day, it's our responsibilities as uh, candidates to be pushing these um, these policies out there. So so that's what I'm certainly doing. So that one definitely, um, you know, the things around social care and the money for social care workers, the 800 PCSOs is huge. I tell you what, the one actually. You know, I was in um, again speaking to Park Darwin and talking to um, and talking to parents, especially especially parents of children who have gone to the Welsh school but they're not Welsh speakers, saying to them, "There's going to be the extra eighteen hundred tutors that are going to be in schools now to help and make sure the children are catching up with the curriculum." That is one that I don't think is getting out there enough, and I think we should be. Well, I'm certainly going to be pushing more. Sarah Murphy, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with the rest of the campaign. Thank you very much. Thanks to Sarah Murphy there, the Labour candidate for Bridgend. Joining me and Rich now is Owen Williams, who is the Managing Director of CIMO, uh, a social media agency, and the former social media lead for BBC Wales. Hello, Owen. Hello. Evening, boys. How are Evening. we? Very well, sir. Very, very well. Good, thank thank you. you very much for coming. Um, so we want to talk to you a little bit about the campaign so far in the, in the digital sphere. How do you think the parties have adapted to what is... 
uh, essentially a mainly digital campaign. Okay, so my trouble with, with the idea of adapting to it is I don't feel any of them have really thought. Or there's, there's no clarity, certainly, from the Welsh side. Um, and I say Welsh side, and I'll come on to why in a minute. There's no real clarity of, of thought there in terms of what is our strategy now that we are not in a position to go rebanging on doors or making a big noise in the street. We don't have that vehicle at our disposal. I understand the parties have, have a point in time at which they can start preparing for elections and so on. But come on, I mean, we've known for the past year that, that voting would be, would be impacted in some way. There's a clarity of thought for me around the identity of these parties on social media now. When I say clarity of thought for me, I can see it. I can see what's happening. Labour, Welsh Labour's assets, very polished. Quite what their tone of voice is, is beyond me. But the, the, their assets are extremely polished. You sense London's hand in everything they're doing. You just sense that. I can see the polish of someone else because those assets do not look like that normally. And yes, I understand they'll have a, they'll have a plan for, the, for their social um, going into the election. However, um, there is a, a patently a strategy that's been designed by, by someone elsewhere in my opinion. Conservatives play off thematic elements that everything tends to be of, it looks like wallpaper because everything tends to be just the, the single blue with the white text on it. It's, and I say wallpaper in them, um, I, I simply mean that over, after time, you just don't know what you're looking at anymore. This is where Labour have done it quite cleverly because they've got a similar sort of, a similar tonality in terms of the brand and the font. But what they do is they change the backgrounds depending on the type of asset they're talking about, whether it's about um, education or it's about health and so on. So, so the, the devolved areas. I mean, it, it, it does confuse me that they lead with strengthening the union, which is just completely bizarre to me that you would lead with that. Um, I, I, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day, I think. Um, the, again, with Welsh uh, Conservatives, what you've got is very much, it feels like it's being done from elsewhere. There's, there's a clarity and a focus about the assets, as in the social, um, the social graphic cards, that is not there in the videos they make. Now, the Welsh Labour's uh, launch video was very polished. You could sense a hand of something else going on, someone steering it. It feels more like that because I just don't feel like you see that in everything they've done in the last year up until this point. That hand has not been there. And if it is, I, I just don't know what it's doing because it's suddenly there. Whilst Conservatives, you see these two fur shots videos that Andrew R.T. Davis has got someone to film on their phone, me standing in, a, in what I can describe as a, ta a fleece tabard. I do not understand the purpose of these videos because they are absolutely awful. The sound is terrible. There's wind blowing from everywhere. And yet you see the still assets. You just think there's a division here. Whoever's doing that bit, the video bit, has no hand whatsoever in these manifestos, stills and graphics that you're making. So there's, there's a definite division. I mean, I don't know this. I can't be certain. I haven't spoken with anyone on the campaigns, but that's the way it feels to me. Clive Cymru, on the other hand, have patently spent money on this big brand launch, all blind Cymru for uh, Vote for Wales. And they've got all that going on, but they just try and jam way too much into a single asset. There's just too, was way too much going on. And they are also sticking rigidly to a particular brand um, and format and colorway. 
And the problem is, again, with the Welsh Conservatives thing, the, the problem you've got is everything looks like wallpaper. It's just green, 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 green. And you, because you, because you are, um, because your giant fonts, your giant block fonts are taking up half of the asset with Clyde Cymru. Difficult to illustrate this on, on, on air, but I'm sure we will, I'm sure we will link to it in the show notes, boys. Um, that what you've got on the other side of that asset is something that doesn't, you know, where are you meant to be looking on this, on this asset, on this graphic? So there is um, there are brand identity problems. There are um, tonality problems in the copy, i.e., the text that accompanies these assets. I, I don't get a sense of who the parties are, um, and I and I get a sense also with with the, with the um, with the conservatives, for example. I get this sort of split personality thing going on because on one hand their videos are so dire, on the other hand they're the sort of graphic assets are quite slick, but all very samey. Like someone's just generated a pile of them and given them to them. And they've gone, okay, we'll use these then. I've, re- I've spoken for about eight minutes there, and I realise you, you probably want me to stop now so you can ask me another question. With a lot of that stuff, I think one of the things that we always do in Wales is we tend to look to Scotland. And how, have you had a chance to have a look at what that's coming out of any of the Scottish parties or the English parties even? Um, and how would what we do in Wales compare, in your opinion, to what's happening in Scotland and England? Well, today I, I read uh, I read the beginning of Free North Now, uh, the Northern Independence Party's manifesto, and it was glorious. It was like this breath of fresh air. It was like everything I thought that Clyde or one of the uh, independent sport parties in Wales should be doing, because it just read like, it read like heart. It was every, everything I talk about in, in discussions regarding um, how to make content for social. And you, you, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see when, I, when, something's, when something's successful, Richard is rolling laughing at the moment, like the idea that anyone will follow me. And, Owes Wills. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you will see every now and then that I, I adopt these principles, information, identity, emotion, information, how piece of content better informs me about the world around me, identity, how piece of content better informs me about myself, and emotion, how piece of content makes me feel. And I'm not talking about me here, I'm talking about the person who sees that content. So that is the, that is the lesson I tend to drill into people. That, by the way, that's an 850 pound lesson there. So I drill that into people whenever I give conferences. However, 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 um, what you see, what you see from the Northern Independence Party is that writ large, basically. What you've got is this, it's just, it's just emptying frustration and heart and emotion into this document and releasing it to the hounds, as it were. And people are ready for it. The, 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 you know, the, the guns are primed for this. Now is the time. I said this back last year to you guys. If Pride are for independence now, when will they? But the problem is you've got to couch that independence in everything else as well. All the emotive elements, all that feeling. Because as we've learned with Brexit, it is actually gettable. So... That that's amazing from from Nip, uh, which always makes me laugh with the greyhound in there. But you you just jump on board and make people make people feel warm. Um, and that's it with political parties half the time. I think there is so much about hearts more than minds. Sometimes people talk about hearts and minds. You can just win hearts. I mean, ninety seven they were ready for Blair because they had decades of greatness and they were ready for something fresh. You can give freshness. 
Um, and I really think the nip are doing that really well. I sort of laugh when I say nip. The other one that, that, um, uh, that charmed me, although not as much as it did in previous years, was the SNP's at launch video. I thought it was just, it's so well done. There is so much thought into what they do at the SNP, and that is because they have full-time digital directors. There are defined roles for those people, but you need that confidence because that th these are the platforms where you can express yourself constantly, daily, all the time. Is there a question about authenticity here, though? Because I, I, I think about a lot of, you know, say, say the Welsh Conservatives had a manifesto like uh, the Northern Independence Party's one, it would be totally inauthentic to the people who are actually behind the party in Wales. Is there some kind of value to that authentic in authenticity of the message? Like, for example, Brand Rishi in London, he definitely comes across as being, you know, a multi-millionaire financial mogul who happens to also be a politician. Um, uh, and that's very authentic to him. And if the parties tried to be something they weren't. Wouldn't that be worse? Well, no, I think I think you're you, you're on. You've got a point there. Authenticity is really key. However, I'm not talking about parties trying to be something they're not, because I think you can amplify everything you do through the prism of emotion. The problem is everything is so cold. And that's what I'm getting at. The authenticity isn't there in the first place. Yes, Andrew R.T. Davis dressed as a as a, tar a farmer in a tabard is 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 patently you know something something to chuckle at. But at the same account, there was some really good examples late last year of the Conservatives have these um, Australian guys running their social for them, and they basically have complete freedom to do whatever they want. But the looks of things because they ran these ads in Comic Sans, and of course. That was roundly jumped upon by people who then, who then elevated that messaging, and it was everywhere. So you're amplifying that through dint of it being awful. The problem is, what the Welsh Conservatives don't do. Believe me, I am not saying they should do this, but I'm. My point is, what they're not doing, they're just rubbish. It's not. Oh, we know we're rubbish. Oh, we know that we're rubbish. No, it's just rubbish. So there's a difference again. That's the video content. There's a difference in video content and the and those still graphics because they are patently not made centrally. Or if they are, that person should be running their video content as well, or that person should be out in the road with them because they have a sense of what is happening and what works. Welsh Labour's announcement video is great. But you don't see much follow up from them. I, I mean. Each of the candidates has obviously been scored, particularly the, the candidates who are currently or who, who were members of the Senate until the Senate broke up for the, uh, for the well, not for the recess, but for, for, the, for the campaigning. Um, they have patently been schooled in what's appropriate. Um, Plaid, what Plaid has on social media is lots and lots of people will shout very loudly for them. Quite whether that translates into something on the doorstep is another question entirely. You would hope what they would do would be to drag Yes Camry along with them as, you know, amplify those messaging, that messaging in some way. As someone who ran Yes Camry's social between October and January of last year, this year, I can attest to uh, there is very much a, a desire to get the independent supporting parties to amplify and to talk about those things as well. Now, I'm not saying that, not for one minute am I saying there's any leaning towards any party. There is absolutely not. But Welsh Labour for Indy, 
um, Plaid Cymru, Propel, Gwlad even, because um, I know they get a bad rap, but I think you need, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I stand by what I said last year, you have to have everyone on board, whether right wing or left wing, to get to the point where you deliver independence before you can have independence and decide what it should look like. We've, we've talked to uh, young voters, young candidates, young activists, and generally the impression has been that the targeting of all the political parties towards younger voters has not been very good. Um, but what would you say about how political parties have targeted younger voters? And if they wanted to actually make a difference there, what should they be doing and where should they be doing it? I've not seen any TikTok game going on. I've not seen it. You would have thought that while all those people were out on the Senate steps for two or three days in a row, there would have been an effort by one of the political parties to put themselves around. You would have thought they might have done that. Did they? No, they didn't. Um, they could quite conceivably have created a filter that only appears when you stand on the Senate steps and have that appear on people's phones when they're photographing themselves for Instagram. Did they? No, they did not. Um, it's 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 guerrilla opportunities to market yourself to younger people. They're just not. It's just not there. It's not in the mindset. It's not being thought about. And I understand why because they're trying to do everything else. I've got. I've done. I've run off a comparison just so you know between how all the parties are performing on Facebook, and I could regale you with that if you wanted me to. Owen, yes. What are the parties doing on Facebook? Funny you should ask. So I ran. I ran each of the Welsh parties through um, a platform called Crowdtangle, which runs off comparisons. It's owned by Facebook, so it runs off these comparisons when the parties perform. Now, I did a last seven days, and we can go into the last six months or whatever you want to do, but last seven days, because the, the, the campaign really only just launched. So take, take a guess, gents. Take a guess. In terms of Say the best performing in terms of interactions, in terms of average posts, in terms of views on videos, uh, page followers. So, so let's say Facebook now, out of the Welsh parties, total interactions of the last seven days. What are we thinking is the leader? Labour. Absolutely not. Nowhere near. Really? Really. Plies way out in front. Uh, 3,772 total interactions over the course of the last seven days, which frankly is appalling. Um, but they are the leaders. The rest, I mean, the rest trail. UKIP is second, by the way. Um, UKIP beats Conservatives and Labour and Propel follows a reform Liberal Democrats and Wales Green Party tail towards the end. In terms of page followers, who do you think is the biggest? Who's the Labor. biggest on Facebook? No, Labor. no, it's Plaid, way bigger. Plaid's at 40,000 followers. Uh, Labour's only at 19,000. Um, and then you've got, I mean, my goodness, you've got, you've got Le Wales Green Party have way more followers, three times as many followers as Propel, and yet Propel performs staggeringly better. In fact, in terms of total interaction rate, compare total number of interactions to number of followers, Propel are far and away the best on Facebook, 2.8%, uh, uh, which is, which is low but high in terms of the comparison between followers' interactions. But in terms of average posts a day, I mean, UKIP are the ones posting the most. Three posts a day, 3.29 posts a day, whereas uh, the others lag. 
face you cannot channel your energies into twitter if you are a political party it's got to be done on facebook all about information and emotion and linking that sense of identity that's how to win audiences win hearts and minds it's through facebook that's where your voters are twitter is a twitter's a sounding board a calling card it's a place to bounce ideas off each other but the reality is the people who are voting are on Facebook. So why are these parties not doing five, six, seven posts a day on Facebook? Clyde, for example, one of the independent sport parties, I would be running half of what Nation Cymru do every day, or National Wales, or, or the, the new one in, in West Wales, I can't remember, Herald, is it? I would be running their independence supporting, independence-leaning content and hammering, hammering, hammering. Because that is the way to generate engagement. And then in the commentary underneath that article, I would be hammering that as well. Because community management is so key. It's so key to actually telling people this is the way a central bank would work, for example. But it has to be this, this cleverness around that content creation. You have to sort of have money set aside for two weeks at the end of the at the end of the run where you just go right we're going to put people in a room and we're just going to make content make content make content or get people remote and just make content based on what is working well and they should be using platforms like crowd tangle because they probably wouldn't have access to it but they should be using platforms like it to go right what's performing well for us what can we do more do less of the stuff that works badly and more of the stuff that works well and just do it all the time because that that is what worked for the sodding brexit party Tell us a little bit about platforms then, because Facebook for me, I'm I'm one of a generation that was on Facebook when it launched, was on it for a decade more or less, and then has now left it. And most young people... You never leave, uh, Richard. You never no, leave yeah, that's true. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Print. My digital footprint will be zooks for, for all time. A lot of people, I would say, age 30 or younger, generally don't look at Facebook uh, from my experience at all. So where are those people? Where do you go to reach those people who are maybe between 18 and 30? But Instagram is owned by Facebook. So WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. Messenger is owned by Facebook. You can have Messenger and Facebook separately. There are, there are pools of content you can use Business Manager on Facebook, published to both Instagram and Facebook concurrently and schedule content for them. You know, ad manager, you should be employing people, strategists to run ads. It's so key to the game because the truth is, is that you're not necessarily targeting. When you, when you publish content on Facebook, you are anticipating that it gets engagement and shares. So what you need to do is identify with that audience that's receiving that content so they see themselves in that content. That's why they, that's how you elicit sharing, because they see themselves in that thing, or they see the world that they live in, or they feel something, or they, they you know, they, they can buy into it in some way. So you need to be doing that all the time, all mm. the time, and then back it, back it, back it. But the point is, is that that stuff then gets shared dark posted basically in places that you don't even see it like whatsapp like messenger mm. on email so much sharing goes on on email you wouldn't know about people send links on on text to people so the idea of you not being on facebook is sort of irrelevant in a way because you will still receive content that's been found on facebook so that's what how I the vast majority of women between the age of 25 and 45 see news content is through the prism of Facebook, not necessarily on Facebook, but found in Facebook. 
Mm. So, so how how was the interplay between paid advertising and you know promoted media versus the kind of stuff, the kind of discussion based stuff that you would see in the groups there? How, what is the balance of influence between the kind of things? Because it feels to me that a lot of the growth of what was then the Brexit campaign going back to 2016, and also the kind of discussions that led to the rise of the Boris Johnson Conservative Party in 2019 kind of came out of groups more than than necessarily paid advertising. I mean, obviously, you can't entirely separate them, but what is the kind no, of no. balance between them? So there's a, I mean, that's, that's really difficult for me to say in terms of the Welsh parties, because I just, I don't know what the balance between the Welsh parties and various groups are because groups are all sorts of different groups and all sorts of different privacy settings on them but in terms of promoted ads and ad spend so you've got a variety of different ways you can do it on facebook excuse me a variety of different ways you can do it on facebook so you've got organic posts that you post and you hope for the best and they either do well or they don't and if they don't you should learn a lesson although i get the sense that a lot of them just don't um you've either got organic posts which you then add some money to and boost or you create promoted posts, i.e. they will never appear in people's news feeds um, naturally. They are not part and parcel of that page's outlay. They are something that appears in the background and end up in your news feed through the dint of you being the targeted party. Now, I am always of the opinion, or vast majority of the time of the opinion, that the vast majority of what you do should be organic and it should be always good and it should always engage people. And when it does, does go to a certain level, you put some money behind it to make it go further. So it should always have that resonance. But there will always be things like your, your party manifesto video that, that will sink down the page over time. So you want to keep boosting that, keep, keep on having that as promoted post to get it back out there again. But you should always be dealing with the comment section as well. Your community managers have to be central to what you do as a political party particularly on Facebook, because that's how people find and share your content. Promoted posts can do so much, but the truth is, is that people are fueled by other people. So if they see something that's got 13,000 shares, and also the algorithm on Facebook is fueled by other people as well. So if something is doing really positively, really well, there's lots of reaction, it is more attractive, constantly more attractive. And you will, you will keep on bringing people back to it as well. God, I've got content I published when I was social manager at BBC One. And there is there is a video entitled the is this the deadliest is this the deadliest cat in the world or something or oh God, what was the title of this? I can't remember what the title was but it was this tiny cat like the size of a child's shoe this tiny cat this is the deadliest this is the deadliest cat in the world something like that but it is now it, it gets released every August the eighth because of course as we all know August the eighth is international cat day um every august the 8th it goes back up again it's cross posted again by bbc news and various different channels across the bbc so it's got all these stakeholders on board who who all have it in their feeds they're all sharing that content but it has uplift constantly because it's legacy it's evergreen it doesn't matter when you watch it. It is always it will always charm you. It always excite you in some way, and it will turn on cat people. So it is, um, and by cat people, I mean people who like cats, not people with with pointy ears or whiskers. There are those people around, I guess. Um, but it's got it's got this resonance constantly, and I think that one of those videos is now at 160 million views and counting, constantly going. But you can do that in the political arena as well. 
You can absolutely do that. And I don't know why we're not. And I don't know why we're seeing such a variety in terms of quality as well. I mean, what you've got from Welsh Labour is this very crafted sort of plodding sensibility. Yes, sort of see that in Drakeford as well. I'm looking forward to Jerry Miles taking over because I think he's a bit more spark about him, but I don't know when that will happen or even if it'll happen. But I think there's, you know, Welsh Labour, you look at their, you look at their, um, you look at how they perform on Facebook and consider, for example, momentum when that was going on. You know, when you had all that interplay between people, I mean, it never got Corbyn elected, but what it did have was this massive sort of idea of this powerful grassroots. Why that hasn't translated into something really powerful for Welsh Labour, which has prided itself as a socialist socialist strand of UK Labour for all these years, I don't know. It's just not there. Um, the, the growth is really, really slow. Um, you know, Propel are the, are the fastest growers, but then I think they've only just decided what the party's called. So in terms of growth of the page, it's it's... It's one of those things. If I, I tell you what, what I'll do is go back to the last 30 days and then maybe it'll shift. No, it hasn't shifted. Plaid Cymru is still top. Uh, whilst Conservatives are second, UKIP are third, Reform are fourth. So you've got the the secessionists, as it were, right out in front and then the far right following up behind. And then the rest of them are just lagging so far in the back. I can't get my head around the Green Party. They have such a simple message to convey. Such a simple message, and they just do not do it. And there's more of a party machine there as well. I know there's a bit of a party machine there because you know you see the Green Party laid on everything. There are Green Parties all over the world. Why are they not coordinated? I get the sense that centrally they're not coordinated either. There's there's no court. Doesn't seem to be a coordination between. I'm probably speaking ill of thousands of people here, party activists, representatives, and they're going to slate me after this, but. I'm looking at the stats, and it just doesn't bear fruit. I mean, the, the stats are, are, are terrible, considering the number of followers they have. And you should at least get a percentage of those followers every single time you, you, you post on Facebook. At least get a percentage. That's how the algorithm works. You get a percentage of those individuals, and then it rifles out from there. Well, if your core message is not good for the individuals who follow the page, it's never going anywhere. By the looks of things, it's not good for the people to follow the page. And I'll say the same for Welsh Labour as well. It's pretty poor, considering they've got 19,500 followers on Facebook. Pound for pound, they perform really poorly. Total interactions over the course of 30 days, 8,000. Not pretty much in the last week. Clyde can be 21,000 interactions. I mean, I could get more interactions for Yes Cymru than that over the course of a day. I just do not understand who's running this stuff because it strikes me that they're all very split personalities on on who and how those accounts are being run. Um, I mean, Clyde have the biggest the biggest internal mandate for change uh, they've had in decades. You know, I know they've always been about independence, but now Adam Price has fully embraced it. I said this to you last year on the podcast. If not now, when? And I still feel like going. When are you going to tell people what it means? When are you going to excite people? Because what we see is fits and starts from Adam Price. And that's great, and that's fine, and that's fantastic. But it's not amplified as well as it could be. And I get really irate because I can see all these parties have these, have these, um, have these, particular, uh, they have these particular ways of thinking and these ways of being, these ways, but they're not conveyed well. They're just not. 
I don't even know what Welsh Labour are based on their stats, based on their assets. I've looked at their assets. They're great. They're fine. They're nice. They're really sharp and crisp. But it's not surrounded with anything that energises me. So I won't be voting for Welsh Labour because I'm not energised. Um, but I want to be. People want to be energised by these parties. They do. People will vote for things because it offers a semblance of hope. And I know that's really, really cynical about politics. But there are only a certain number of people who are really fixated on the policies. I got one more. I got, I got one more question. I don't know about Rich, but I got one more question. Talk about interactions, though. Does it matter if they're positive or negative? Do you just look yes. for interactions? No, it does matter if it's positive or negative because the way the so in terms of the algorithm, visually as well, lots of angry faces are, are not a good look for you. But the algorithm on Facebook pushes content, propels content, propel, uh, propels content. If you um, if you get positive reactions, i.e., likes, laughs, and love reaction on Facebook. Um, when you've got the sad emoji and the angry emoji, it limits exposure. That said, that said, it can work for you. But if you couch that initial copy in something that is designed to make people feel angry, that's going to work as well. If, however, you've got a super positive message in your copy and your video, but it's followed by a, a, a legion of angry responses, people are just going to go, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I'm touching that. And, oh, I didn't do it. and it's going to limit that exposure. So there's there's two things going on. One thing is the um, is the automated exposure through the prism of the algorithm, and the other is the organic um, is the organic interpretation by the audience of what that content probably is, and therefore I'm not going to look at it. Or you know, and, you, and the other thing I talk about this a lot in in presentations. You've got you've got you have three seconds in a video to get across who you are, what you what you do. And that first three seconds is so vital. And what we see a lot of, and I know, is what they've what they've done is brought in a television producer of some description to make it, who thinks they're making a half hour show. And they don't think about how people are viewing this content. They're viewing it on social media. That's where they're viewing it. If you're going to make a cut for TV and it, it has to be different, do social first and you will always get things right. You can you could put social content on telly. It still works. But those first three seconds, you can't just have a big language shot of whales. So what? I've seen mountains. I know what mountains look like. Stop being this iconography that these parties just just dwell on. Stop that. Bang, 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 bang. You haven't got enough time. You've got to have that rhythmic element going on. You need to draw people in. And you've got you've got so many tools at your disposal through Facebook and through Twitter and Instagram. You've got so many tools at your disposal, and you expose yourself to so many people. And you've got such large audiences, and you've got such ways of defining who those individuals are. And what they do is they do boilerplate stuff, boilerplate, 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 and it is so annoying to see from the outside. It's just not there. And I I love for me to be eating my words in three weeks. I would love to go, you know what? I was completely wrong. I want to be so wrong about this. And I want to look back and go, you know what? I, I looked at that data and I was a day too early. Because if, I, if they'd have interviewed me on, on tomorrow, that would have been totally different. And there'd have been a crazy array 
But I'm looking at it. I've literally got it up on the screen in front of me. I can do a share screen with you now. I'm looking at it now, and it is dreadful. Dreadful. Um, the views, you know, views and own videos. Last 30 days, time coming, 90,000 views. Welsh Conservatives, 100,000 views. UKIP, 43. Reform, 19. Welsh Labour, 22. Propel, 18. Welsh Lib Dems, 3. Wales Green Party, 2,000. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? You've got an election in three weeks. You know, there are, there are seven and a half billion, well, seven billion people on the planet. You should be impacting people who don't live in Wales so they share and engage with that content. It comes back here. Because I can tell you for sure, that's what I do with SNP and Yes Scotland content. Because it is so interesting and so exciting and so different. Because they have dedicated individuals staffing and leading that content. And what you end up with is people who understand what engages people and they just do more of that. And they have a feed into everything and they sort of run the rule over it and they have staff. And that is how it should be run. Now, I acknowledge these parties are fairly small, but if, if you know, the, the power that Welsh Labour and Welsh Conservatives have in terms of central resource, and I don't know what the Electoral Commission's rules are in terms of you know, what they can do and when they can do it. But surely you can staff up way in advance and surely you can strategize like a year in advance. You've had four, in fact, it's been four years. You know, it's not just a year. You've had all this time to plan how it's going to look and feel. It's both crafting a message, but it's also the idea of statecraft as well. And whenever, I'll say this, whenever Adam Price appears on the on TV, it's always really, I mean, that, that stuff with Joe Coburn yesterday in Politics Live was really, really good. Um, sorry, I've just dated your podcast with recording on a Thursday. Um, uh, that stuff with Joe Coburn yesterday was really good. And they clipped that up and they've used it. But what's the aftermath? Because the National and Scotland took it as well and amplified it. What are you doing now? How are you capitalising upon that? What's your five-point plan following up what Adam Price says there? Where's the responsive social media? Not just the... Because what they're doing is broadcasting. Broadcast media is another discipline. This is social media. The clue is in the title. It's literally about people, engaging people. And Owen, there endeth the lesson. <laughs> Owen, uh, that was, yeah, really, really interesting hour. Thank you very much for talking. Was that an hour? Jesus, yeah. sorry. I don't know if it will be an hour when it comes out, but that was an hour. And on that note, thank you, Owen Williams, very much for coming to talk to us. Also, thank you to Luke Fletcher, Lena Farhat, and Sarah Murphy for talking to us. Um, if you have enjoyed what you've heard tonight, please don't forget to find us on Medium at HeroIfeBlog Cymru, on Facebook at HeroIfeBlog Cymru, and on Twitter at HeroIfeBlog. Thank you for listening to HeroIfe. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.